Hi, I'm Peter Akerley. I'm president and CEO of Erdine Resource Development. We're a TSX-listed company focused on a new district-scale gold discovery in southwestern Mongolia. We call it the Hundi Minerals District. The, uh, the approach to developing this district is really two-pronged. We have an opportunity to identify and grow off of a current 1 million ounce resource to what we believe will be in excess of 2 million ounces by the end of this year, but also moving forward with an initial development that we're targeting a 75 to 80,000 ounce per year production facility for. Good to see you again, Peter. Um, look, you were on um, back in February with us at the technical analysis and due diligence session. Really, really good. Got the analysts a little bit excited about what you're doing. Um, I, w- I want to talk to people perhaps listening uh, or watching this who are new to the story, right? And there's a few obvious red flags that people look to and they go, oh, it's Mongolia. So let's deal with that at the end. Oh, it's the gold market. Let's deal with that at the end. But the thing I do want to tackle, first of all, is the, is the scale, right? You know, from, again, when we, we talk back uh, then, you were talking about a 400,000 uh, ounce uh, resource and, you know, say $20 an ounce type category. You've just said 2 million ounce project. All of a sudden, my ears are pricked. I'm excited. So what have you done to uh, think that you're going to be, allow yourself to think that you're going to get there? Sure. Thanks, Matt. Um, When you look back at when we delivered the feasibility study back in 2019-20, we had a a core resource that allowed us to support a high-grade, relatively moderate-scale startup. We felt that was a good way to de-risk the project to allow us to get cash flow to explore what we saw as a fantastic new gold district. You know, we had our eyes on a number of targets. Over the past two years, as we've seen the impacts of COVID and supply chain issues, the project hasn't progressed as quickly as we would have liked to that production stage. But actually, that's provided us the opportunity to start to show the proof in the pudding with the discoveries at Ulan, at Dark Horse. And with those, we're now seeing that 2 million ounce resource base in front of us, which we expect to deliver in a resource estimate this year. So it changes the the scope of the project that's now on the table in front of us. And we're doing the studies necessary to look at how can we scale this up? Uh, what can we add to the mix? Can we bring in a gravity circuit to allow us to get more gold through the CIP plant? So some pretty exciting opportunities have came about during this period where we've been slowly moving towards development. And that's really what's changed during that, uh, that period since feasibility study. Right. So, so can they say kind of the, the, the focus here? And 2 million ounces gets you noticed, right? But to what, to what end? You've been there 20 years, right? This project's been you know, one of those 20-year 20, 20 overnight successes. Um, there's some super high-grade stuff coming out of there. You're talking 2 million ounces now, which, which, which is good. But where do you guys feel that you can take this uh, and what model will you be employing going forward, given the kind of environment we're in with the kind of, you know, high, high cost of capital, equities a little bit, um, you know, hands off at the moment. How, how do you move this forward past, you know, whatever you, you decide to tell us in December? Sure. There's, there's no question in my mind after spending 30 years in this business looking all over the world for giants that we're into something unique here. So when I talk about 2 million ounces, that's our target for the end of this year. I truly believe we're into something special, a multi-million ounce discovery. And, you know, you can say that's arm waving, but we've had tremendous success 
with a limited amount of dollars put into the ground. We have four deposits, three of them gold within the area we're talking about, that are sitting at surface or within 150 meters of surface and we haven't done any deep drilling below that. So the probabilities based on that, that there's going to be more out there along this 10 kilometer trend at Bayan Hundin Ulan is, is very uh, solid. So yeah, I believe this is something special. I think we're into a multi-million ounce district and it's still sort of the same approach just on a somewhat larger scale where you get to that initial production. You know, in, in this um, sector that we live in, which is often hard to raise dollars, you need to get to that cash flow point at some point or you're just going to continue to dilute. And so it's still our objective to get to that initial operation. It is likely to be double the size of what we initially contemplated during the uh, feasibility study, looking at something that's more in the 100 to 120,000 ounce as a base. And we'll We'll understand that better as we finalize this resource in the coming few months. But yeah, getting that initial scale up into something that's considered moderate to large, but recognizing that it's still just the beginning of what looks to be a multi-million ounce uh, gold district. And we'll see that expansion come in the future. Right, so, so help me understand why it's not arm waving, okay? Because you're talking about getting, you, you raised some money recently, and then prior to that you made an announcement around um, you know, the fact that you wanted to raise money to um, fund exploration, but more importantly, pre-construction at Kundi. So what what are you going to be doing there? Why, tell me why this is not arm-waving. This is actually real. Mm -hmm. In the sense that we're moving towards the development. So over the past 12 months, there's been a tremendous amount of work going on, a lot more of our resources, human resources and financial resources into that site establishment, uh, working with vendors, selecting vendors, going through the uh, updated tendering process, uh, getting final permits. All of that work has been underway behind the scenes to get us to the point where we're effectively shovel ready. Um, you know, on the site, we've been upgrading our bore field, preparing that for initial um, water flow to the site. We've been putting our communication towers in place. We've uh, hired 30 local employees who are on site uh, effectively expanded camp, looking at putting the fencing in place, vegetation areas. So there's a lot that's happening that isn't necessarily sort of newsreel press releases. But yeah, we're, we're gearing up to get this project up and running. And that continues on a regular basis, day to day um, in, in Mongolia. Right, but so, so to harp on about the, the, the model again, pre-construction, construction is the, the, the word that people are going to excited about here. You sound like you're just expanding your, your camp facilities, right? Where, how, how do you move this, or have you got plans to move this any differently through the regular phases in terms of the economic studies and understanding what it is that you've got and how you extract the value from the ground? You know, do you make it a short, short term, let's get into production, you know, you know, mitigate some of the future dilution that may be necessary with capital raises, etc. So how are you viewing how you do that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're effectively shovel ready today. So we've been getting ready for full construction. However, you're looking at a situation still with the Chinese border where you have issues with supply chain. You know, that has not gone away. However, we do see that starting to dissipate. We're monitoring that with uh, coal shipments across the border, other companies beginning to start construction. So I think as you see the Chinese uh, Congress meet in October, you're probably going to see a lifting of that zero COVID policy. 
and allow us to actually get clarity that we can build this and deliver goods on a t in a timely manner. Because as we talked about previously, that's been my biggest concern is hitting those roadblocks with uh, transport across the border. So it remains our intent to be able to hit the ground in the spring, start full construction. That's likely, as we talked about earlier, going to lead to initial gold production later next year with the gravity plant. We're going through some of the studies, but that'll be the first stage of production. We'll move on with the CIP plant full construction in 2024 to be leading towards that full production uh, as we get towards the latter part of that year. Right. Okay. Let's talk about the the first bit of that, which was the you know, funding expiration. I mean, since we spoke in February, you've been putting out some nice big headlines that any company in Newfoundland would be proud of. You know, 123 and a half grams of gold over five meters. You know, 15 meters of 42.8 grams, 68.2 grams over three meter. These these are super super grades. So you obviously you well. I mean, how how are you coming at the expiration? modeling um, and program that you've that you've um, done so far with regards to laying out you know how much you need to spend and where you go going forward as you build out the the operations there so there's a tremendous tremendous amount that could be done here you know we've got kilometers of open uh, ground uh, along this trend that has never seen a drill hole but we've been selective in focusing in on those areas where we can do expansion around known resources. So the Elan discovery, the Dark Horse discovery, adding to the oxide resources at Dark Horse. There's some targets directly adjacent to Dark Horse that we're testing, but we're really being quite um, controlled in our exploration dollar spend to get us to that 2 million ounce resource perhaps have a couple of other prospects in front of us, but that's our objective for this year. And we're pretty much there now. We're still drilling as we speak, but as we roll into Q4, we'll be able to go to our independent resource modeler and put that package together. And, you know, the exploration in this district will be going on for decades. This is just one of those discoveries that'll see work forever. We're trying to get to the point where we can tip into something that gives us that scale we talked about earlier uh, and leave much of the exploration to the point when you do get to that uh, cash flow positive position. Okay, so, so how, how do you play these markets at the moment? Because you, you, we're seeing companies all around the world, you know, blowing their brains out on the, the capital expenditure programs. Every time they do an economic study, it's 20, 30, 40, 50% higher than, than the last time they put one out. It's a scary environment, given you've kind of, again, the, the traditional claim of, you know, district-wide opportunity and, you know, the, this, you could be doing this for, for, for decades. You've got to excite the market You've got to go find the gold as well. You've got to raise the money to do that, and at the same time, you know, kind of create that that excitement, that that, that uh, free some of excitement in the market to try and drive the share price, without necessarily, you know, showing the market that well, perhaps there's a few you know warts on this project. Perhaps we're not in control of the this price environment and this new paradigm for mining at the moment. So, are you tempted to kind of slow things down in terms of the production side of things, or do you think that it's all relative and it'll shake itself out in the wash? Mm -hmm. It's a challenging market. There's no question. It's difficult to find that balance at the best of times, and uh, now even more so. Um, we have. I think reached a, a tipping point where the market and certainly those sophisticated in the exploration mining sector recognize this is something unique. You know, we now have 
four deposit areas with ultra high grades that it's a challenge for any other project globally to come up with those types of grades. So I think, you know, we've, we've now established that. I do believe it's, we're at that point where we need to move towards that production scenario. We are continuing with that expansion I talked about, but as we move into the latter part of this year, it's putting together the final pieces of that development scenario, looking at that upscaled approach, perhaps adding the gravity and putting together the final financing package and moving into that production um, situation fully as we move into 2023. Right. Okay. Okay. It's one of those ones. I was kind of intrigued to see, you know, why you put yourself in that position, but I kind of look back to, you know, 20 years at it. Uh, people maybe need to start seeing seeing you do something different as well, but the economics still need to stack up. You're, you're confident that this is the right move at the right time. Sounds like you know. I think when you look at uh, the characteristics of this deposit, the open pit, the high grade, you know, we're looking at something that would be you know better than upper decile in terms of grade globally. Um, yeah, I think it, its economics will withstand most gold price fluctuations and it's time to move forward with the development here. Uh, we have that partner support in terms of the financial partners. You have stakeholders in Mongolia, whether it's the local people on the ground up to the, the cabinet who want to see gold production in that country. So that drives you in that direction as well. But yeah, that's that's the route we're on. The gold's not going anywhere. As I said at the outset, we've established that this is a uh, unique, high-grade, large-scale district. And um, yeah, I think our investors understand that today as well. Right. Okay. Um, can we come back to one of the points I made? I, I sort of joking referred to, you know, some Newfoundland co- companies would be proud of the, some of the headlines that you've you put out. But all joking aside, you're in Mongolia. Um, do you find when you're talking to institutions or you're talking to shareholders more broadly uh, or potential shareholders that they understand Mongolia as a mining jurisdiction and something that they can feel comfortable with? And I say that in the context of nowhere seems safe at the moment, not North America, not South America, not West Africa at the moment. It's it's not immune from ESG concerns, environmental concerns specifically, um, what what are people worried about when you say the word Mongolia? Sure. You know, I think over the last several years, we've seen a gradual uh, lightening of that concern, particularly driven by the Turquoise Hill, Rio Tinto um, uh, moves for the positive. You know, we've seen um, the approval to move to phase two, Rio Tinto now making this their largest scale project globally. And the Turquoise Hill shareholders being rewarded uh, in that takeover battle for the remainder of Turquoise Hill has has all brought some positivity to the mix. There's very few companies, public companies active in Mongolia today, so there's not a lot of other peers out there talking about it. But yeah, I'd say there's been a slant towards the positive given what I just discussed. Um, On the ground, you have a government that's desperate for economic renewal coming out of COVID. Uh, the supply chain issues I talked about at the border, and they recognize that the key area to generate that is in the mining business. There's a real focus on um, supporting the hard rock gold industry, given the uh, lack of constraints that you have with gold versus the bulk commodities that have to traverse the borders. Um, So I think the environment is quite positive. I do think that 
it's easy for investors to just say no to various jurisdictions or commodities um, because they have to. You know, they can't they can't be everywhere and they can't do everything. So I do still find that with Mongolia that some investors just will say no, Mongolia is not on my list. But a warming towards investing in that country, which we've seen with the support we've had for our company over the last couple of years. Okay, so if you get into production, girls obviously. Like I, I, I'm, I'm kind of reticent to say the word come off a bit because, you know, 1750, that's just fine by me. Um, you know, you feel, again, given your grades in the sort of upper decile, you feel um, your economics withstand prices as they are now or even if they were 100 bucks lower. So you're, you're, you're in a good place. But what, what are your views on the gold market at the moment? Lots of rumour milling and conjecture going around and you know people are very very nervous more broadly about the market so you know again what's your take and how does it affect your decision making yeah so just at the top there when we did our feasibility study we used fourteen hundred dollar gold uh when we are talking to our lead banker they're using a 1350 gold price so yeah this has very strong economics because of those grades when you look at where gold is today in terms of you know the fundamental factors for support I don't think they've ever been stronger. You know, the reason we're seeing a uh, depression of the gold price or holding it down somewhat is only because of the strong U.S. dollar. And it's really a question of how much longer that can be sustained um, in these periods of uncertainty, probably for some time. But you will ultimately see a weakening of that. And I think gold has tremendous upside as we move through that because of the fundamentals that we see in the market today. But what are the other factors that you're, that you're looking at, you know, you're talking about? Russia, China, trading oil, not using dollars anymore. Does that worry? And people are looking for things to blame. But, but, but what's, the, what's the reality of mining? Do, you know, you're producing gold, producing revenue from that gold. What are the things that concern you that you think people should really be looking at? In terms of the geopolitical factors that we may face any, in any, any Any factor that you sitting down at your, your monthly mm-hmm. or quarterly board meetings and say, look, mm-hmm. guys, um, these, these are the big red flags over here. We need to have a strategy for each of these, you know, should it, it, because they are happening or should they happen, um, mm-hmm. which will affect your decision making. Because, you know, you can't plow ahead irrespective of what's going on out there. Um, sure. It's a nice way to burn through capital. Mm-hmm. No, you know, the current situation has obviously had an impact on Mongolia. Um, the, the oil and gas supply in that country is 90% generated out of the Russia region. So that's something you have to be cognizant of, that the, the Russian government has the opportunity to turn off that tap. Um, already, but, though, but, but is, are the Mongolians still buying Russian oil? They are. Are, they, are they fearful of sanctions from the U.S. if they do? I mean, how does it work? Uh, they continue to buy Russian oil, and I think the, the countries from the West that are in relationships or supportive of Mongolia recognize there's not much of a choice there. But we are seeing um, countries support their hydroelectric capacity. We are seeing the Indian government come in and invest in a refinery in country. Uh, the Chinese government now, which has some oil production in the eastern part of the country, is looking to supply oil into Mongolia. So you have a number of geopolitical shifts, if you will, around Mongolia to look at uh, how they might take advantage of the situation as well. I think probably most importantly, the outcome of this is that China will have greater influence on uh, Mongolia uh, from an economic perspective 
And Russia's influence, which had already waned tremendously over the last 20 years, will continue to do so. Uh, but the Chinese influence is probably something you'll see strengthened. But also, you know, even I was just over there a few weeks ago, you are seeing Western nations look to provide greater support for any uh, democratic nation within the shadow of Russia. And so I do believe you'll see those development banks and those Western countries you know, Korea and Japan and the U.S., Australia, Canada all have major investments in that country. And I believe you'll see a strengthening of that as we move forward. Right. OK. Interesting times geopolitically, for sure. Um, right. So end of this year, two million answers um, in, a, in a resource. Um, then what? So that two million ounces is meant to support that upscaled size of the plant. So if you remember back in the feasibility study, we were 64, 65,000 ounces per year. Um, I expect us to see support from reserves out of that 2 million ounces to be able to look at 100, 120, maybe as much as 150,000 ounces per year, depending on where that um, lines up. And we'll look to upgrade the elements of the feasibility study, the technical studies to support that as we move into Q4 and Q1 of next year. At the same time, the basic uh, non-process infrastructure doesn't change much, so we can start that development as we move into the early part of 23. The gravity plant that I mentioned we're doing the studies on now, and I feel comfortable from those ultra-high grades that you mentioned, you know, 123 grams over 5 meters, we can run that through a gravity plant take 50% of the gold out of that, the tails run into the full plant, and we can find that early cash flow. It has other advantages as well in that a smoothing of those grades uh, going into the CIP plant allows us to have less carbon loading and will allow us ultimately to have higher production as a result of having that gravity plant in place. So some really interesting elements in terms of scale up and just some uh, tweaking of the uh, production itself, the plant itself, will make for this to be a much stronger economic uh, facility. Right, and, and you've done the met work on all that, so you, you understand that that can't actually work? Yes, absolutely. So we're going through, there's some more gravity work to do, but we've been studying it for the last several months since we pulled those high grades. And we're seeing, you know, mechanically being able to pull 50% of the gold out of it uh, at the gravity stage. And then the tails, obviously, you'd recover the other 42% that we see to give you ultimately that 92, 93% recovery of gold from, um, from the head grade material. That's really that's really interesting in terms of how you're affecting the the, the cash flow positively there. Um, like it, very good. Um, well, look, Peter, I'm good to catch up with you. Um, sounds like things are really starting to ramp up now. Had a bit of a step change uh, in the pace at which this thing's moving, which is which is good news. Um, stay in touch. Let's know how you get on as things progress. Okay. Great. Thanks, Matt.